Psalm 16, we'll read the text and then we'll get into it. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. God, help us this morning as we just take a few minutes here to look into your word. God, we ask for attentive minds. We ask for open hearts. We ask, God, for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That, God, when we look at your word, it is you speaking to us. Help us, God, to hear it as that, to have open eyes and open ears to receive it, and to, God, truly understand, comprehend who you are and what you have for us in Christ this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So in our morning, the final sermon of the final morning of the Advent season, we're going to be focusing this Sunday on the theme of joy. We have gone through hope, peace, love, and this week we are going to be talking about the theme of joy, specifically the joy of God and the joy that comes to us at Christmas. Advent is not only a season of looking back into the manger and remembering Christ was born. It certainly is that. We remember and look back at the longing they had for so many years for the coming of joy, for the coming of their Messiah, of the Savior. But Advent also is a season of where we familiarize ourselves and become uh, co-laborers with them in the longing for the coming of joy. That not only did we long for this Savior to come in the manger, but we all now today still are longing. Christ came. He was born as a babe. He lived the righteous life we should have lived, died the death we deserve, was buried, ascended, arose, resurrected from the grave in bodily form, ascended into heaven where He is now seated at the right hand of God the Father, which He will return one day. He will return one day and establish His kingdom heaven on earth forever. And so we, like them in the Old Testament times, waiting for this coming of the joy, of the joyous one, of Christ, we too long for the coming again of this joy of this Savior. 
So we are thinking on this week specifically joy. Joy, what we see coming to us on Christmas, but also what joy we wait longingly for, a full consummation of that joy. In our day, we are glad and almost eager to trade off a deep and abiding joy for anything that will give us momentary pleasure. In our day, we are inclined to give away deep, abiding joy for basically anything that will give you fleeting, temporary, in-the-moment pleasure. If you can find something that's going to make you happy or entertain you, then you will take it. We do not care so much, it seems, if the pleasure will last the course. We don't seem to care if the pleasure will last that long or if it will give us anything of real substance just so long as in the moment it helps us be happy or it entertains us. We don't care if the show, we know the show is going to be over in a half an hour and we're going to have to go back to regular life, but we don't care how long that joy is going to last. If it entertains us for the moment, then we consider ourselves happy. Rather, it brings us deep, abiding, long-lasting joy that seems to go to the back burner of our desires in our culture today. If it brings us instantaneous or momentary pleasure, then we go for it. Just so long as we are in the moment happy and entertained enough to be taken out of any current displeasure, then we take it. Then we take it. And we trade off so many times what would be deep abiding joy for a fleeting or momentary pleasure. The main idea of our time this morning is that Full, strong, and forever joy. Full, strong, forever joy is found only in God our Savior through His Son, Jesus Christ. There are many slight, weak, temporal joys to be found in our world, but they are just that. They're slight, tenuous. They are weak, and they are temporary joys. The world offers us countless uh, different variations on this theme. I'll entertain you with this. I mean, and Christmas is a great time to think about this, isn't it? Because I'm, you probably aren't all as wicked as I am, but I still in my heart am a kid when it comes to Christmas. And I, my, I, it's not fair to my wife, but basically anything she buys online, I get to find out before she gets it <laughs> because I deliver the package. <laughs> and so it's, it's really not fair to her, but I, I just, you know, at this time of the year, you know, you have all these, your mind starts going wild of the things you can get and these things that will bring you momentary pleasure. These things, just, just trinkets, baubles. Is anyone, I mean, and do you ever find yourself realizing I mean, I realized this young as a kid that the, the bobble that you get on Christmas morning, it doesn't take the day after or two after, and you're kind of sick of the bobble already. I mean, and that's not anything profound, really. I mean, it's kind of like Darren's really done a lot of philosophizing on this, hasn't he? No, I mean, it's just kind of what well, we all know. The new thing you think you want so bad, the, the new phone you want to put in your pocket, which I've got, you know, you just you wanted it so bad, and you, pretty soon it's just another it's just another thing. But this world will offer you and offer you and offer you and offer you tons of things to entertain you, temporal, momentary pleasures, but they're all just that. They are slight, weak, temporal pleasures. And what we want to think about and what we see at Christmas is the coming of deep, strong, and forever joy. So, 
if you're willing to do some heart work this morning on yourself, if you're really willing to think and do some diagnosing, where is your joy? Where is your joy at? What is the thing that brings you happiness? What is the, the, the world is offering you tons of different things. And if you're honest, if you went to bed every night, it would be a good practice to every night before you go to bed, consider what has my heart found its happiness in today? What has my heart found its joy in today? Where is your joy placed? Is your joy, here's a few examples, is your joy placed in your paycheck and your possessions? If I get my, that paycheck rolls in and so I can pay the bills and get a few of those baubles or maybe I'm, I'm saving up to buy some big thing and so my paycheck, you know, I have a good job and so that makes me happy as long as I have a good cash flow coming in and I can feel secure and safe. My joy is found in my paycheck and my possessions. One way, good way to, to, to try to diagnose this is this, if you lost your paycheck and your possessions, how quickly would all your joy that evaporate is your joy in your possessions and your paychecks is your joy in your spouse like this is the person like if i can just be with my spouse then i'll be happy or maybe your joy is in the idea of being with someone that isn't your spouse like if i could just get out of this situation then i would be happy where is your joy is your joy in your self-sufficiency is your joy in your savings is your joy in your abilities your reputation your family, your success in your job, your physical looks, your appearance. Where is your joy? And let me be clear, you don't have to possess the thing to have your joy be in it. When I say, so I threw out there your looks, and it, you know, we all kind of say, that, that's obvious, my joy is not in my looks. But you don't have to be incredibly handsome to have your joy put into your looks. You could be the ugly duckling, but when you're convinced that if only I could look like this, then I'd be happy. Your joy is in your looks. And when we say um, your joy in your spouse, it doesn't have to be that, boy, I've just got the best marriage ever, and so that's why my joy is in my spouse. When you, when you say, if only my spouse was like this, then I'd be happy. That's, that's putting your joy in a temporary thing, in a temporary idea, in a slight, weak momentary thing or you say if my spouse could just be this other person in our culture today we that is very prevalent if i could just get out of this and get into the next thing then i'd be happy this is where my joy would be found all of these things the world is offering you tons and tons of slight weak temporal joys you don't have to be Having a bunch of money to have your joy be in money, right? So the, when I said, uh, is your joy in your paycheck and your possessions? You're like, Darren, you haven't seen my paycheck. No, my joy isn't there. Are you kidding me? It's too thin for my joy to be in my paycheck. But you don't have to have money to have it be your joy. If you think, well, boy, if I only had a job that paid me this much, then I'd be happy. Your joy is in your money. And you don't have to have your possessions for your joy to be there, right? You don't have to say, well, my joy is in this possession that I have. Well, no, if, if, you're, if you say, if the dialogue in your head goes, if I could just have this, if I had this thing, if I had this car, if I had this house, or if I had X, Y, Z, then I'd be happy. Your joy is in your possessions, in a slight, weak, temporal joy. David knows right up, from this, right up front this morning in our psalm that, that all of these things 
are weak. He says in verse 2, I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good. I have no good apart from You. There is nothing good that comes to you if it does not come with God and with His blessing. You may feel, and we all do, we feel that these temporal goods are good in the moment, but if it is a good that does not draw you to God, it is not a good. It is not a good. Verse 4 says in, in Psalm 16, "...the sorrows of those who run after another god." shall multiply. And let's just be honest. When we talk about where your joy is found, what we're talking about is something that you have lifted up as an idol. You have made this thing a god. You have said, this is the thing that will make me happy. Therefore, I bow down and I worship this thing. You are committing idolatry. You are saying, this is where my joy is found. This is my God. This is my Savior. This will make me happy. You have run after another God. When we do these things, when we pursue temporal slight joys, what we do is we run after other gods. And what happens to those who run after another God? The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. He knows that to, David knows that to find your joy in another God will not lead you to final joy. It will lead you to final sorrow. David's walked this out. We could go back and look at him and Bathsheba, right? He's, he's, all of his men are off at war and he's hanging out in the temple and he looks over at a, a fine young lady taking a bath on her roof and he says, you know what? I think that that would make me happy if I could be involved with what she's doing over there. And so what does he do? He possesses his temporal joy and it finds it to be his sorrow. He finds the chasing after another God. We could go in the story of him murdering a man to possess this temporal joy. He spent a lot to get this temporal joy and found that it was just that. A slight, weak, temporal joy that did not produce ultimate joy, but it produced Sorrow. Matthew Henry states it this way. He says, Those, They who multiply gods multiply griefs to themselves. They who multiply gods multiply griefs to themselves. For whoever thinks one god too little will find two too many. And yet hundreds of them not enough. He who finds one god too little will find two gods too many. And yet hundreds of them not enough. And this is exactly where we find ourselves at Christmas time. Forsaking the one true God so much of the time. Finding though that two gods make impossible taskmasters, competing for our attention and for our affection. And yet when our lives are full of them. So let's just give win to, all right, I'm going to pursue every God, everything that I think will make me happy. When we can increase those and we multiply those gods, what do we find? They are still not enough. We find ourselves still searching for the next God to satisfy us, for the next thing to satisfy us. Those who, whoever thinks one God too little will find two to be too many, and yet hundreds of them not enough. But what we see with God is something far different. His joy is a different joy altogether. When you think about the joys that are um, longed for in this life, what are the qualities about those joys that always prove insufficient? I'm getting this from the text. We'll get to it. 
that what are the, the worldly joys, what are the areas that they let us down? And I got three areas that worldly joys always let you down. They are always mixed with various sorrows. They are too weakly obtained to produce any lasting guarantee. Too, they're too weak. And they are too temporal in that they will always go away. They are mixed. They are always, they're, they're weakly obtained and they are temporal. So as I was thinking about this, this sermon and talking about Christmas and thinking ahead to Christmas, I'm, I'm kind of an idealist. I, I have like an idyllic kind of, I want this Christmas scene of where my whole family is home and it's nice and warm. We're by the Christmas tree. We've opened presents and maybe we've got uh, some movie playing or we're reading books and having hot cocoa and it's just, it's just going to be a wonderful time. Does anyone else paint this picture in your mind? Oh boy, Christmas is just going to be wonderful. We're just going to sit down. Everyone's just going to be happy and cozy, drinking hot cocoa, having a good time. And you think, boy, this would just be great when this happens. And I was, just, I was convicted in thinking about, boy, when, when this day shows up, it's just going to be so great because my heart was lying to me. I was saying, if I could just pull that moment off, I'd be happy. But you all know that my heart was lying to me and that these lesser gods, that joy, putting my hope and my joy in that moment, I will be disappointed. Because as you all know, when you live through them, these three things are always true. They come with mixtures of joy and sorrows. I mean, sometimes when you're trying to gather with little kids and have Christmas, it's just gathered with nothing but bedlam. <laughs> when you're trying to sit down and, and relax for the evening by your warm heaters, it's nothing but a big mess. But, you know, my Christmas this year is going to be uh, lived under the looming umbrella of Darla has three more treatments to go through of chemotherapy. So, yeah, I can make this as happy as I want to, but at some level... Our, all of our, our highest joys we can think of in this life, they always come mixed with some sorrows. The reality is that, you know, of all the things that could go wrong, those of you who have lost loved ones this year, as great as you can make Christmas, it always comes mixed with sorrows. Or if you've ever lost a loved one, you've celebrated every Christmas since then without them. The greatest joy you can fabricate comes always in this life, these temporal joys, comes mixed with sorrows. Our joy in this life, no matter how high we ramp it up, it comes mixed with sorrows. It is too weakly obtained. Um, There are a thousand things that can go wrong from now until Christmas Day that will ruin this picture of my mind of a wonderful Christmas. And I tell you what, one of them has already happened. My hot water heat broke this week. My house is not going to be as warm as I like it to be. Thankfully, we have reserve heat, so we're not freezing. Don't everybody worry about us, but, but we're not freezing. But that, that great, this, that makes us sweat in here. This hot water heat is in my house. It makes for a warm, wonderful Christmas. We don't get it this Christmas. So already, my wonderful joy, it's so, it's so weak. It's so weak. No matter how hard we try to create this thing, we do not have the power to pull off oftentimes that which we think will give us the most joy. And it is only temporal. It is only temporal. No matter how great that moment is, at some point the sun goes down and we have to put our... Uh, some, peop- some parents have to put their kids to bed. And I've heard that they have a rustle the past few months. Oh, he's leaving the room. 
So bedtime's not going so great in my house. And so when I say the joys are temporal, I mean that at some point we've got to say to my little boy, it's time for a bath and time to go to bed. And the struggle for the next half hour, 45 minutes is on, right? And so even our greatest joys, they're, they're, they're temporal. They're temporal. And when it comes to joys in this life, no matter how hard we work to create them, three problems with them, three problems, they're always mixed. It's never undiluted, pure joy. It's always weak. You can't really make it happen like you want to. You don't possess the strength to guarantee that it will happen. And they're always temporal. At the, at the end of the day, I will have to go to bed. I'll have to get up, put on eight layers of clothes, and go walk outside. And Christmas will be over. It will not last forever. Not God's joy. Okay? Back to the text. Chapter 16, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence... There is fullness of joy. At your right hand, the strength, God's strong hand, His ability to do what He wants to do. At your right hand are pleasures for how long? Pleasures forevermore. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We see here that God's love, unlike, or God's joy, unlike the joy that we are able to produce, God's joy is full. God's joy is undiluted. God's joy and the joy that there is in Christ is an undiluted joy. It is a joy that comes with God's right hand. In so much, and what I mean by that is that the, the joy that He's bringing, He will accomplish. He does accomplish. God doesn't say, oh, I want this moment to go like this, and it just, this went wrong, and this went wrong. No. The omnipotent God, His right hand, brings pleasures forevermore. It is a joy that never fades. How can there be anything but pure, undiluted joy coming from the one who created joy itself? How could you imagine God to dispense anything less than undiluted, pure, perfect joy. He is the one who creates this joy. This is what David sings about, that in God's presence there is fullness of joy. When God speaks of His right hand, it is the hand of His power. It is the hand of God that does that, that moves. This is where Jesus sits at the right hand of God the Father. God's right hand, His strong hand, are pleasures forevermore. God brings pleasures without end. John Trapp, a writer, puts it this way, Puritan writer from way back when. He says when it comes to joy, he says, For quality of fullness, a torrent, whereat they drink without let or without loathing. Drink and drink without ever stopping, without ever getting sick of it, just glutting yourself on the joy of God. A quality of fullness, a torrent, where they drink without let or loathing. For constancy, it is a God's right hand who is stronger than all. Neither can any take us out of His hand. It is a constant happiness without intermission. And for perpetuity, for length, for long standing, for perpetuity, it is evermore. Heaven's joys are without measure, without mixture, or end. We see from our text this morning that God's joy is undiluted unstoppable and unending. How can God's joy be undiluted, unstoppable, and unending? God's joy is a person. 
When we talk about God's joy, it's not this concept. God's joy is Himself. God's joy is Christ. When we talk about God's joy, God's joy is a person. That's why the angels sing in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. What's this good news? The great joy that will be for all people. For unto you this day is born. Born. A son is born. Jesus Christ comes to earth. God's great joy is the one who is born. Jesus Christ. This joy. This joy that is undiluted. Never fainting. Strong to accomplish. Sitting at God's right hand is Jesus Christ Himself. This is why Christmas is so important. The joy that we have undiluted, unstoppable, and unending, is the joy found in His presence. The problem (laughs) is that in our natural state, the reason why this should bring us such joy, we do not deserve to receive this joy. We deserve to be stuck in a world of chasing multiples of failing gods. We do not deserve this joy. In our natural state as sinners, we cannot stand before a holy and righteous God. If joy is the person of God, if joy is the person of Christ, you and your sin, if you were to face Him on your own, will produce in you nothing but to be justly condemned to hell for all of our transgressions. If we say the joy, this undiluted, unstopping, unending, unmixed joy is the person of God, if we are to approach Him on our own strength, we find ourselves not engulfed into it, but banished from it because of our sinfulness. Because of our sinfulness, we deserve to be justly condemned to hell because we have rejected this God in our sinfulness. But what we see at Christmas is God coming to earth in Jesus Christ to win these people back to Himself. To save those who do not deserve to be in His presence. Because God made us and made us for fellowship with Him, our joy will never be full until it is found in Him and in Him alone. And at the fall, all hope of that joy is broken. Our hope of joy in the fellowship with God was lost. But Christ came. Christ is born. Christ comes. He comes, and what does He do? He lives the life we should have lived. He doesn't rebel against God. He doesn't reject Him. He doesn't walk into sin like we do. Christ shows up, lives the life we should have lived, earns our righteousness, and dies a death on a cross for His own sins. No, He had none. He dies on the cross, what? For the sins of the world. For your sins. So that, through repentance and faith in this work, You can now approach God's throne of grace in forgiveness, washed clean from your sins, so that the undefiled, unending joy could be yours, not because you have merited it, but because Jesus Christ was born, deserved it, and gives it to those, pours it out upon those who through repentance and faith trust in Christ, this child born to die for your sins undiluted joy without measure, undiluted, unstoppable, unending joy. Yours, how? Through this child. Through this Savior. So, at Advent, we look at the manger and remember the coming of this joy in our Savior who was born. 
Born that man no more may die. Born to give us second birth, as the hymn writer says. And not only that, but we long and look forward to the day when the consummation, the fulfillment of that undiluted, unstoppable, unending joy will be ours. Don't you long for fullness of joy? I mean, I I haven't done a great job describing it probably, but if I just, that idea, don't you long for fullness of joy? Don't you long for a joy that nothing can stop, that is yours regardless of circumstance and whatever, that a joy that will be yours, that is a strong joy? Don't you long for unending joy? Look nowhere else. This world is going to throw at you thousands of options. Look nowhere else. Christ. Look to Christ. Look to Christ. Let's turn from our lesser joys and repentance and look to the one true joy, the joy that is Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I pray that right now as we do some heart work here before communion, God, that you would search our hearts. Point out to us the the lesser joys, the lesser gods that we have run to in this week, in this month, this morning maybe even, God. Show us, God, these lesser gods that multiply our sorrows. That, God, we would come this morning to the communion table in repentance. Father, forgive me. I have chased lesser joys. Forgive me. I look to Christ. I look to Christ for the forgiveness of that sin, for the forgiveness of my transgression, so that I could be washed clean and given by grace the joy that I desperately am looking for. God, do that work in our hearts. And this morning we pray in Christ's name. Amen.